Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Greetings, friends and fungal associates. Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson, and I'm alongside, as always, the incredible, the edible, the one arborist to rule them all, Casey Clapp. Alex Croson, it is I, Casey Clapp, son of Michelle. (laughs) I am here to do... What is necessary for the good of the world. Wow. The earth. Casey. Middle and beyond. (laughs) Original and middle. (laughs) I live in original earth. It's it's a little underground. It's vanilla earth. (laughs) It's vanilla earth. Now that is a name. Yeah. Casey, uh, here we are. At the beginning of a grand journey, it takes but a step to begin, my One friend. One single step. And once we take that step, it's going to be the furthest we've ever been mm. from where we started. My apartment? Yes. <laughs> didn't you, isn't there, uh, what did you call it, a long cut of every single time uh, 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 Sam took a step that someone cut in the line? One step further, oh. and it's the furthest I've ever been, and like did it for every single. Was did you tell me this? I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe it was Max who did. That sounds like it maybe it might be like a fifteen-hour ordeal. It, yeah, exactly. Because it, once he says it the first time, it's also true every subsequent step. Right. And so they just made this long cut of every single step he did That's throughout the entire rest of the thing. Incredible. He said that every time, and it was just like, Sam, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> Uh, Casey, let's explain what we're doing here. Oh, right. This is our first trilogy of episodes in the unseason. Uh, one of our favorite film trilogies mm-hmm. is The Lord of the Rings. You and I are That's both right. big fans uh, of the books as well. And here we are to do our own trilogy modeled after The Lord of the Rings Uh and this this being the first book of three. Each episode will be covering a tree that to us best represents that part of the story. Yes. For any given reason. Casey, the tree we're discussing today for this first book in our trilogy is the pedunculate oak, also known as the English oak, Quercus rober. That is exactly right. Do you know what rober stands for? Uh, robust. That's it. Strong. Casey, I'm cheating a little bit because, spoiler alert. What? We talked about this tree in our winter solstice celebration 2021. Oh my gosh. When was that? Where? What date is it now? It was many, many years ago. That was when the 
heroes roamed the land mm. back when the mines were a mere mile deep. Right. Uh, yes. When the kingdoms of, uh, whatever. The kingdoms of men were young. <laughs> yes, Alex, you're right. There was. We did talk about it. It was the Oak King yes. species we did for that. Yes. Now, I know what you're saying. Everyone's thinking, wait, you're doing this species again? That wasn't what I was thinking. Oh, I assumed that we I, could hear the chorus of people complaining. It's like, hey, this week we're going to do a redux on this tree. It's, it's, I was thinking, uh, why, we, why wouldn't we do this for Return of the King? Ah, oh my God. The Return of the Oak Scra- King. Scratch it, Alex. <laughs> why didn't we think of this? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> no, this is the better idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is. I agree that this is the better idea for this reason. So we chose this tree um, because, A, in our solstice, we weren't talking about this tree in such a specific way. It was more of the intro to the, the kind of broader thing. This time, we're using this tree as a way bigger, deeper dive into this tree specifically, and then kind of how it grows and what it does, and then following that up with how we take care of these kinds of trees as they get gigantic and old and of course we chose it chose it for the uh the fellowship because in the shire before it is destroyed Mm -hmm. by the evil forces in the world they have a it's like just this rolling meadowy land with these big gigantic trees growing on top of these little houses yes and things like that almost like the english countryside exactly that's what it like represents yes these trees are so representative of the english countryside that it would be just impossible for us not to use it. Well, Casey, as we do every episode, let's imagine that you and I, hey, how about this? We've got some pipe weed. Uh-huh. We've got a can- uh, uh, tank- tankard of beer, of ale. Yep, yep. And we're just mm-hmm. strolling through Hobbiton. Yeah. And- uh, chilling. Everybody's so small. That's the first thing. I say this to you in, in hushed tones. Yeah. Say, Alex, you really can't say that. You, you need to stop saying that. And have you seen their feet? They oh can God. hear you. They're not even wearing any shoes. <laughs> um, and we come across uh, some beautiful pedunculate oaks. That's right. Are we going with pedunculate for this one? Or are we going with... Yeah, I, okay. I want to choose that because it also grows all over Europe. So saying it's the English oak is like anyone who's oh. in England be like, yeah, it's just the oak tree. Anyone outside of that would call it something different. So yes. here in the United States, easy. Let's call it the English oak. It makes sense for us. But it is a very widespread tree. You know, if, like if you say the Oregon white oak, it grows most of its range in Oregon and California and Washington. So it's like, okay, fine. We named it after that place that existed. But then in other things like the American oak, okay, that makes sense. It's growing in what we call now America. Right. And you know, so on and so forth, American whatever. So it, over there, it's like it could just as easily be called the European oak. But then there are so many European oaks where you have to give it a specific name. But this name is like, it would be like saying the Oregon white oak is the Portland oak. I see. It's like, well, it is, but it's also like a huge, huge, big range. Well, it's also the Gary oak, Casey. Exactly. No, it is never the Gary oak. Um. I mean, it is the Gary oak. It isn't the Gary oak. Well, any fucking way, we come across <laughs> some pedunculate oaks. <laughs> Sorry, I asked, Casey. <laughs> I should know better. Sometimes there are certain things when I put a nickel in you, I I, uh, I make a little mental log. Don't bring that up again. You know what it's going to be. 
Sorry. Uh, we come across some pedunculate oaks on top of a, a hill with a door in it. How 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 quaint. How perfect. Casey, let's ID this tree. All right. First, it is a deciduous oak tree. How Alex, cool. Very lovely. Um, as an oak, of course, it's in the genus Quercus, which mm-hmm. is a widespread genus of trees that has everything from evergreen shrubby things to gigantic evergreens and deciduous trees all across the ranges of latitude uh, in uh, Mexico, they actually have some of the like so much, so many of these species. So wide ranging. This one grows over in Europe. We're walking through this countryside. We see this gigantic, gigantic like elephantine tree. Yeah, it doesn't grow very tall. It doesn't grow very wide. But it just becomes like this big, massive, gnarly looking. Like what is that thing? Like mm. that's just a big, big, gigantic pile like of fallen lumber that has sprouts of, of oak leaves coming off. Oh, does it still have like a defined crown? It does, but like it's a lot of times these old ones where if it's a younger tree, it kind of grows up and it has really kind of uh, curvy kind of branches mm-hmm. similar to the, the Oregon white oak, but just a little bit different. And it grows upwards and outwards. As a young tree, it just is super spry and it creates this very very nice like circular crown. Big oak circle globe like uh, what I imagine is like a um, a a take a, a perfect sphere and you like like a ball or something that's like a squishy kid's ball uh-huh. and like push it flatten just a little bit sure. now imagine if that was you know the size of a tree canopy and then placed on top of a big stem yeah that's kind of what they look like these flattened big circle oval kind of canopies fantastic um but the thing is, as they get older, they start to develop a way more uh, irregular crown. So the the younger ones, there's nice little globes. Everything's looking really good. Just like everything else that gets old, people, animals, trees, everything, it starts to get, you know, a decay pocket over here. This branch breaks. You know, it regrows over here. This part dies and then it gets recolonized, that space, by some other branch. Mm. So you get this crown that starts to develop this really irregular habit and shape. Cool. Um, so that's from afar. You're walking into it, though, and you will see a gorgeous, beautiful little oak leaf, like the quintessential oak leaf. Yes, lobed, eh? It is. It is lobed as an oak, which is a pinnately compound or pinnately lobed and veined. I always want to say compound after I say pinnate. Right. I don't mean it. Good, good catching yourself. Thank you, Alex. Um, on the top, it's like a bluish kind of green tinge to it. Hmm. It actually, uh, it doesn't really jump out as like dark green. It's kind of a light, light bluish green a lot of times, especially when you get closer. From far away, it has this very like uh, almost a cloudy blue, or I'm sorry, a cloudy green kind of color. Hmm. And you walk up close, you look at these leaves, and they're in the white oak family, so their lobes are rounded. Yes. And they have almost no uh, petiole to speak of it's very very small it's technically there but it's really small this is this is a good id thing casey that yeah. i i really enjoy uh-huh uh white oak versus red oak families yes uh white oak family oaks mm-hmm. subfamily i, you sh- I should add oh, okay they're sub-family. all quercus technically okay. well yeah subgenre genus subgenus yeah white oak subgenus uh rounded lobes uh-huh on these oak leaves that's right uh red oak subgenus pointed lobes exactly which can you call them a lobe 
Yeah, they're still lobes. They're okay. just they're, they call them bristle tipped. So they're lobed, but they're just sharp lobes. Bristle tip. Yeah, that's right. the little little bit because there's like a little tiny hairish looking thing on the end. Interesting. But really, that's just the two edges coming up and coming together. Cool. Well, there you go. So yeah, if you're ever so trying that's to, perfect. It's a good place to start with your oaks. That is a great place to start. That's perfect. The other thing to note is they're going to be alternately arranged down the stem. Okay. These oaks, but the other thing about oaks specifically is that as they are growing. They their shoot is is elongating. They put buds on alternately arranged down that stem. Mm-hmm. But as the growth rate slows of that shoot elongation, it still puts it out almost at the same time. But because the growth is shorter, they they appear closer together. So at the end of that shoot elongation, then you get all these buds that are like really really tightly clustered at the end of mm. that twig. And oh that's yeah, I've a seen classic this. oak thing. Yeah, yeah. you have. So when it grows outward, it just takes a couple of those buds with it and grows new ones? It kind of does. Well, what it does is as it, as it grows out, think about um, the way I imagine it is that it's going to put out a bud at the same like rate. One, two, three, mm-hmm. four, five. And it's like, I'm going to put 10 buds out. If it grows really slow, then basically it's like grow out as much as you can. I'm going to put a bud at the same time signature, the same rate. But if you grow slower, then that rate is going to end up being a little oh, bit closer together. Okay. So it that's it is, this is how I imagine it. So as it's growing really fast, it like does one, does two, does three, and it has like you know an inch or so between each bud. Mm-hmm. But then as it slows down, it's still growing, but it's way slower. But you still have now four, five. Six. So they'll be closer together. Be way closer together. Okay. Exactly. So at the end of it, when it's just like, okay, we have four more buds, and it's just like, blah, 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 and they're just right on top of each other, clustered at the very end of Got that twig. Got it. Okay. So that's that's how they grow. And at the end of the twig, it makes you think they're oppositely arranged, mm-hmm. but they are not. They're just jam packed right next to each other, so that the alternation is is almost inconceivable. It's In, arbitrary. It. Huh? It's completely arbitrary. Alex. Hey, that's the name of the show. But the other thing with these leaves, they don't have any little, uh, the tiny little petiole, which again is the, the part that connects the leaf to the, the stem of the plant. Right. Tiny, tiny petiole, and uh, it has a little lobe ear coming off at the very base. So where usually you have that petiole comes up, and then the, uh, the leaf blade comes from there up and out. Instead, for these, the lobe first like goes down and then goes up and out to the rest of it. So it looks like it has these two literal like little uh, lobes that are going downwards that look like little ear lobes at the base of the, uh, of the leaf. Interesting. And that is a great ID characteristic for this tree specifically. Yeah. Well, speaking of ID characteristics, Casey. Let us. Let's talk this pedunculate bark. Ah, blech, utility bark. Oh no! It is. It's not bad though. It still has like this, like it, it's the oak, the oak looking effect, where oak bark looks like alligator bark, like it's just gorgeous and it has these. It's it doesn't get very thick. It doesn't get very thoroughed. I'm sorry, furrowed, but it develops these little cracks in it that go both vertically and kind of split apart. But it also develops like half of them develop these cracks in the 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 vertical or the sorry the horizontal plane i'm not sure if i'm explaining (laughs) (laughs) how about this uh google a photo if you had trouble with that because casey i think the reason you're having trouble explaining it Uh is because there's nothing to explain it's just it's hard to explain it's just it's just bark it's just like bark looking bark it's that just cracks yeah it it doesn't peel it doesn't pop it just is it's bark that grows up and starts to get a little aged 
Yeah. That's it. It's like trying so, to describe the color white. Like yeah. how do you, well, <laughs> that's it's like a, it's a color, but it's like it. not a color, but it's all colors. It's, it's, uh, if just Google white. Yeah. Yeah. So that is it. It's utility bark. It's it's very nice and hard, and the wood, of course, is an oak, so everything in it is also really hard. Hard yeah, wood. It's a hardwood tree, and it's just one of those trees that like, you see it grow, and you're like, okay, yeah, it was normal. Nothing to it. Yeah. It's gray. That's too bad. Yeah, middle between white and black. Uh, Well, Casey, we have plenty more. We do have plenty more. To say about this pedunculate oak. Oh, I should add one thing. Oh, that, please do. The reason it's I called... I thought there was something missing. What? Oh, what, what yeah. What, well, they have, it has acorns. Oh, acorns. Casey, I can't believe I forgot I about know. the acorns. Now, do you know uh, why it's called the pedunculate oak? Uh, Well, no. Well, the peduncle is the, the, the part that connects a fruit or a flower, the Uh. infrutescence for a fruit or the inflorescence, which is the collection of flowers, the collection of fruit. Uh It is the the stem that connects that. So you have the the petiole, which connects the leaf blade to the the stem. Mm. The peduncle connects the plant or the fruit to the fruit of the flower to the stem. I'm sure those words are related etymologically, no? They, oh, they absolutely are, yeah. Okay, what is, is it, that, what is that root, P-E-D, ped? You know what? I don't know exactly what the root is. Okay. That's a good question, but I know they're related. It's just one, the, you know, peduncle for the fruit and the petiole for the flower. So well, it's P-E-T oh, uh, for, for the petiole, but then peduncle, P-E-D. So I don't know. I would assume they are. My brain assumed that they were yeah. just because they sound so similar. Well, as it happens, the oak uh, acorns of this little guy, they have a little pet. Uh, or a little peduncle, so that's why they call it the pedunculate oak. Okay, because the acorns have a little a little stem on them. Yeah, if I recall, the we we talked about on our on our winter solstice celebration, mm-hmm. the ratio of uh, acorn matter to cap matter. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and how this one was a lot of cap. Yeah, it's a lot of cap. Lot, well, I mean, no, I'm sorry. There's not a lot of cap. It's like it's a big long acorn with just a little, a little kind of bit of a cap. Okay, opposite. Yes, it's but a it, lot of acorn. It's a lot of acorn with a with a, a medium sized hat. It's tip heavy. Yes, exactly. There's some that it looks like the whole thing is enveloped in the cap, and some it looks like the cap is like a little French beret sitting right. like on the very crown of a head. Right. Yeah, this Just, is somewhere in the middle. Either way, that's uh, that's how you identify it. It's growing all over Europe. It's the French barrels. French oak is many times the same species. Oh, okay. Where they would like, oh, this wine was aged in French oak. And it's like, oh, well, it was probably the peduncular oak. Quercus oh, rober. interesting. It's sort of a uh, internationally claimed. Exactly. And that's Everybody why. Everybody calls it their yeah, thing. That's why I'm trying to trying to make it as broad as possible. I love that, Casey. So we'll see, we'll see how, how it lands. Well, Casey, speaking of landing, an advertisement's about to land in your ears. We'll be right back after this short break. Lord of the Tree Rings Month! VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story... You're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. 
At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back, friends and fungal associates, to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking the pedunculate oak also sometimes known as the French oak, also sometimes known as the English oak, probably known as the German oak at some in some places. Yeah, also probably known as the Polish oak and the uh, Norwegian oak. Yeah. Most likely the Swedes also have a claim on that. Sure. Anyway. Uh, this is an international tree of mystery. It sure will. is. I will. Uh, Casey, we forgot to mention something up top. Yeah, which is extremely important and why we're like, we took a break and we were both like, okay, off to a good start. Yes, and the good start we're talking about is... We are, much in the way that Peter Jackson and and et al. uh, created those films, the Lord of the Rings films, basically all at once in a marathon production style. You and I are doing a marathon production today. We are recording all three of these episodes back to back to back. To back. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing it. We, uh, we're also like diligently going to be eating and drinking, you know, to make sure that we don't die. We have some lamb's bread to make sure that we can continue forward. That's right. So we're going to be okay, but we, that, that's a critical part of this entire ad- adventure we're about to go on. Yes. And, it, and we forgot to mention it, which is fine. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, you know, you sit down to listen to something and you sit down to start walking, you realize, oh my God, we have to walk so much further. Yeah. That's what it's, uh, it's going to be like. So this is, this is also, you know, in, in the way that many people believe that the, uh, the only way to watch Lord of the Rings is, is in a yeah, marathon. Exactly. Really, the only way to listen to these episodes is in a six-hour marathon. Yeah, so stop now. Put a pause in it, wait three weeks, and then listen to the whole episode, <laughs> yeah. all three of them straight in a row. Casey, no, we need the ad revenue. You're, you're right. Sorry. Everyone, please keep listening. Uh, Casey. Alex Croson. more to say about the pedunculate oaks, specifically about European tree care. That is correct. Or ETC, as uh, that's, we call Yeah, it. we're going to call it ETC for short. And now, I will say that this is an idea of... Um, European tree care, it's all lowercase letters. There is no official European tree care. Sure. There is a... LLC. Exactly, yeah. Don't, 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 don't hold, that, hold our feet to that fire. Mm. Um, but the reason that uh, I call it that is because I, of course, I'm an arborist. I'm based in the United States. I'm mm-hmm. in North America. And we take a different approach to taking care of our trees or managing them uh, is it like a cultural thing than people in Europe and more broadly people across the entire world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because of like some very specific things we'll kind of get into. And this is, this is my own idea that I've been kind of putting together, but I've seen the evidence. And I think, I think I can, I can say this as, as one who has studied trees for a while and talked about them every now and then. I think I'm going to hold this as a as a as a trend that the Europeans are better at tree care. They're different in a very specific way. That way being they are more inclined to keep big old trees mm. in whatever possible means they can okay. to honor those trees whereas in the United States we see a tree and we're like if that tree is going to maybe fall we're going to cut it down and plant a new tree right? because, A, we're a much more litigious group where if something happens, someone's going to sue someone else oh, for sure. it. Oh, sure. But also, we we don't cherish trees and ancient trees and things like that near as much as other places do. I would say 
uh, you know, zoom out a notch and we don't, we don't, uh, respect or cherish old things and or people in the in the same way that Europe Europe does or almost anywhere else in the world. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we have kind of an anti old policy here or, in the U.S. Yeah, it's it's a very strange strange thing. And I I like I said I I didn't do any research on this in the sense of like is there a difference in this? Like it's really hard to parse out. I mean these are like weird cultural things. Mm-hmm. But I have some some ideas as to why this is, and and we'll talk about those. And we'll talk about what exactly it is I mean by these what the differences are. Okay. Um, but you're exactly right. I think in the United States we we don't see trees and we don't see old things as something to like honor and venerate and like keep around just for the sake of those things. It's kind of right. like it's just a, a different a different interaction. We see an old tree and we're like, oh, it's an old tree, whatever, move on. It's but, a financial liability. Exactly. Other people see it as like, no, that's tree's been there for hundreds of years. Just like we're not going to get rid of it. What? And they they don't even have a conception. Uh, it, there's I've met other people uh, who a lot of the things the way that Americans do things that are people from the United States more specifically is just like they're like wait you have you have food banks why why do you need a food bank right and they don't even get why it's like oh well because we have these certain populations that don't feed them like what and it like the concept doesn't even register because it doesn't make any sense because in their cultures and their societies there are certain safety nets like it's just it doesn't happen like it's not a problem yeah so it's it's one of those things where you have to kind of go someplace to learn about it or talk to these other people to see the differences or to see that there is another way and that is what happened. I've been over to Europe a few times. I plan to go back. I've been to uh, Japan, and I've been down to South America. I've seen the way that things are taken care of and the way that they interact with their trees um, in all these different places. And these are, you know, I, like I said, I'm not well-traveled. I'm all, also not well-studied. But I can definitely say that you can see differences in each one just by going into the streets and looking around in the cities and be like, okay, what's going on here? Do they have trees? Do they not have trees? How yeah. do they take care of them? And Really quickly, you can start to see trends. Well, let's talk about some European care trends. Let's talk about those trends. So, um, Alex, real quick, I want you to go into our informational sheet, and I want to click. I want you to click on the major oak. Okay, one moment. Thank you. What's fun is that uh, we're going into uh, the SherwoodForest.com. Wow. <laughs> and this is this is the the first hint about what is different about these kinds of European tree cares. So uh, if you, uh, all of you at home playing the home game, um, please go to uh, Sherwood Forest, or rather, I'm sorry, look up the major oak and you can go to visitsherwood.co.uk. Slash explore hyphen the hyphen forest slash the hyphen major hyphen oak slash. That's it. Thank you, Alex. Without you, we would be nowhere. I see the major oak here. Probably the most famous resident of Sherwood Forest after Robin Hood, of course. The iconic major oak is an ancient giant that absolutely cannot be missed. Yeah. Now scroll down to the second group of photos there. And and give us a quick description. Well, I see a a large oak tree uh, in probably the the summer time Mm -hmm. this photo was taken. Yeah. And it's got some... it's, It's Casey... It, it's got a broken leg. It's walking on crutches. It's got a thing. lot of crutches. <laughs> it's got one, two, three. I can count six. Yeah, it looks like six or seven, maybe. Yeah, crutches. Mm-hmm. And then we have a photo of it in the wintertime. Uh, same same crutches. Yep, same crutches. And there's also like guy wires holding those crutches in place. Oh, yes, I see that too. And there also, it's hard to see on the photo on the left, but there's another guy wire that's inside the tree. There's two of them that you can see on the top left of that photo going up to the right. I see that. So they kind of turned this tree into like 
a living building to yes. keep it. They built a foundation around it. Exactly. Now, I'm going to flip through. I, this is another book that you and I uh, have frequented often. So many visuals today. Yeah, oh, it's so great. This is this is the best. I wish I had actually, I looked through this yesterday to get it and I decided, or to like find what I was looking for. Uh-huh. And I was like, there's so many. I don't need a bookmark. And now I'm like, I should have bookmarked these. And Casey, this is, what is this book? This book is Remarkable Trees of the World by Thomas Peckenham. There you go. Which I believe you can find on our website or on any local bookstore you would like. But what Thomas has done is he's gone around and looked at trees across the world and has found some interesting trees, like the biggest ones. They're obviously remarkable per the name. I see. But he talks about a little bit about the culture and what they are, and he splits this up into uh, like gods and dwarfs and all these things. Like it's very like uh, Lord of the Rings themed kind of book. Sweet. And so this one, he always has like some really cool old picture and talks about the the people and how they use this tree. So this is a tree from uh, Italy. And notice there's a gigantic uh, um, bar holding this leaning tree up. Yes, the the whole tree is leaning, and then there's just a big. (laughs) It's just like yeah, a big diagonal. uh, Somebody just put a put a flagpole up against it to keep it from falling. Exactly. It it looks like it's a. uh, almost like a, a pillar, like leaning against it. It's, yeah. Um, it's the St. Francis's Cypress at Verincio, northern Italy, and it's about 800 years old. That's an old one. 800 years old. Now, we're going to flip through here really fast. We're going to go to another one. Here's another big uh, big oak tree. Um, this is the uh, the Femme H at Arl Westphalia. Okay. Now, wow. can you see, Alex, <laughs> on, on that? Uh, it- it looks like an oak tree. Yep. It's huge, clearly. Yeah, like I mean there's a knuckle kind of leaning, you know. The photo is kind of dark. I can't really tell yeah. what's happening. I'll in show you I'll show you here. So this is a bunch of two by fours, like giant four by four wow. p- bits of wood holding up a leaning section of this tree. Yeah. Down here is a little tiny one where there's this massive like elbow of a branch that's leaning out, and then you have to like just put a little branch underneath it or else it's just going to hit the ground, you know? Mm. So there's another example. So this is another old oak. I think uh, Westphalia is in, uh, in uh, Germany, I think, Bavaria. Casey, are those are those structures called crutches? No, they're called braces. That's just uh, Brace, kind of okay. what, they, what they call it. Good name. Casey's getting up. Casey has handed me the Remarkable Trees book and I'm looking at the page Parsifal and the Holy Grail. Take a look at that tree real fast, Alex. The tree's big. Yeah, Casey. and I, ideally, uh, um, I will send photos of this, but the, this book captures the photos of this tree in the best possible way, so all I can say is go get this book and read through it. It's a wonderful book. But the uh, it, it's hard to like capture what these trees look like just by words. Can I try? Can you try, please? So this is a large oak tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trunk is one of those trunks that looks like a uh, wedding gown. It's just a huge kind of like... <laughs> That's such a good example. <laughs> um, it's very, very wide and floofy. And like almost completely hollow. It's completely... You can walk into this tree um, and it has like bands of bark reaching the, the floor uh, that are un- like not attached to anything else. Yeah. Uh, on one side of the tree here, it has, I would say, probably a dozen braces yeah. holding up various limbs. Uh, it's a scene, man. It is a scene. Like, it is a crazy... And if you give, just keep flipping backwards in this book, you'll see a few more examples. But essentially, what, what this is showing and what this is covering are 
ancient, ancient trees in specifically, uh, this is all over the world, but these ones that we just looked at are all European trees. Most of them are giant old oak trees. Now, there's a few, and there's another one called the Kaditz lime, which is in Germany. And that's another example of a big old tree, a lime, we call it a basswood or a linden tree, oh, tilia. Sure. And those trees uh, were super important in Germany because they were like the tree for beer gardens for hundreds and hundreds of years. Oh, so to decorate a beer garden? Yeah, like they would be planted in and around and like shade the beer garden. They oh, would lovely. Plant lime trees. Okay. And this, uh, I remember I had a client years ago in Seattle who was trying to figure out what this tree was. He, he didn't know the name of the tree in English, but he was like, I want to know if I could plant one here. And he was this uh, old German guy who came over to Seattle and got a really good job and had lived there and kind of retired out to this, you know, larger property mm-hmm. outside the city. And he just wanted his tree taken a look at. And he's like, now, I wonder if you'll know. And so we just started chatting. He started to describe it. And he was like, oh, it's these trees that were over the beer garden, said it in German, and then um, it sounded very similar to lime in English. I'm like, I know exactly which tree that is. And then a quick look at it and then showed him my phone. He was like, that is the tree. Wow. And I was like, hey, sweet. This is wonderful Like that we can find this. But even this person who's this expatriate moved over here is still like all about this one specific kind of tree. Hmm. So in Europe, there is a history that is a congruent history for the last several thousand years where there is no um there was no like gigantic change of cultures that ever happened so maybe the romans versus the the celts and the germanic tribes you know in julius caesar's time like just before the you know the zero mark on our calendars uh-huh. however those cultures were still relatively the same. You know, they were still some somehow the same kind of people and they've been culturally meshing and mingling for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So when the Romans became uh, essentially they signed away their their places to become their own little cities and you get France and you get uh, Germanic areas and you get all these like individual nations that start to develop over the next, you know, several hundred years. All those cultures slowly shifted and became, but were also basically the same the whole time. They just slowly moved. And those people, they would be a sacred place. A a yew tree, for example, is growing around a sacred druid space. Mm -hmm. That druid space then became sacred to the Christians when that cultural shift happened. It wasn't a cultural, like, bagooge. It was usually like, hey, I guess we're Christian now. We're not going to destroy this place, but we're going to make you have our religion. Sorry, we're the new Romans. And uh, we're going to keep your space. But now it's a Christian space. And everyone's like, "Uh, okay, I guess. And they, they weren't really persecuted. It just kind of made that transition. Doesn't matter at this point if it was like um, what was happening. Imagine there's this tree here that was sacred, and everyone has decided that's a sacred tree. Yeah, that tree, ten or two thousand years later, is still sacred, and everyone's like, I still want that tree to be taken care of. Now there are oak trees, like the major oak, which is a tree that was just growing out in the middle of Sherwood Forest, which is the hunting grounds for the king and the monarchy at the time, right? And they decided that, like, wow, this is allegedly where Robin Hood and his merry men would make camp. The major oak was where they would go and meet up. Right. That was That's the whole lore behind it. So, wow. like, we've got to save this tree. This tree is, like, super unique and cool. Then they had all these other oak trees and these big old estates and all these things that were geriatric and falling apart and instead of saying well this tree's decayed it's clearly on its last leg 
we're going to have to remove it because we don't want it to fall on someone. The The European idea is like, well, no, at all costs, we want to save this tree. And so then they put these braces up and they cable it and they put a chain around it. There's a picture in that book where they take a literal metal band and put it around a tree like a belt mm. to like hold it from falling and like wow. literally just disintegrating. Not good for the tree ultimately, but yeah, if you put one on and then you, you, you let it grow a little bit, then you stick another one on, like you can manage that. It's just heavily, heavily managed. The only reason these trees still exist is because humans have come in and augmented their existence to make sure that it can last as long as possible. This is interesting philosophically because I start to think, you know, like you look at, you look at this sort of like tree preservation yeah, and your instinct is to say, oh, that's great. That's a good thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if the tree is ready to die, mm. if the tree has reached the end of its, you know, ability to hold itself up and needs uh-huh. to fall apart, yeah, is it good to put it on life support with, ah. with machinery and <laughs> equipment and yeah. uh, hardware? That is a very good question, Alex. Now, two things. One, we have to be careful not to anthropomorphize too much because a tree that's on its last leg, a tree will always be alive and wanting to live no matter what. So if, okay. there's a, if there is a connection between leaves, the bark, and the ground, that tree is going to continue on because it, sure. the cells that are on the outside are still brand new. The, nothing of those cells are like really old. We're like, oh, your skin's lost its you know stuff, and obviously your cells are always you know transforming and becoming new and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like your brain ages an aging process in humans and other animals is completely different than the aging process in trees, where they just that outside is alive and kicking. So if just that outside is alive and kicking, tree's good. Fair enough. Um, but they do have to deal with these things. But your question is still philosophically very accurate. If the tree is about to be falling apart, why should we put it on life support instead of just letting the tree die and planting a new tree? A mm-hmm. lot of times they would take a little twig of that tree and they would grow that with new roots and then plant that in the stead. Or also... You know, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, that was it. That was it. Also, you know, that old tree, if it's in a natural area like the Sherwood Forest, Uh uh, that old tree like falling apart and dying, it... You know, it gives back to the to the yeah, landscape. It's totally. going to become a nurse log, and it's gonna it's gonna house a bunch of animals yeah. and fungus and stuff. That's exactly right. In fact, it probably already does that in a lot of ways. Oh, sure, yeah. But then you also bring up a good point. If it's in a forest, it's not going to attack. It's not going to hurt anything if it falls down. So mm-hmm. it, it, whenever you're doing a risk assessment in trees, you have to, in order for something to be considered a risk or to have risk, there has to be a target for it to hit and a likelihood that it will, in fact, hit that target. Yeah. So a tree in the middle of the forest has no target. There's nothing that it's going to slam into. Right. So there's there's no risk associated with it. Well, here's a question, Casey, another yeah. philosophical one. Let's go. If that tree in the middle of the forest... Uh-huh falls over yeah does it make a sound okay thanks alex way to ruin everything good about this show anyway so the other philosophical question the other the other thing that comes to me is that with the united states um specifically the cultural uh congruency does not exist where right 500 or uh, 2,000 years ago, these the culture, the people that were living in this place, A, they maybe didn't have the tools that they needed to like, you know, cut down a million trees all the time. It was a whole bunch of work. It wasn't chainsaws, right? 
But sure, yeah. we can still, yeah, we can still do it. People with axes and saws, they they did a very good job of deforesting the entire, you know, United States mm. or the eastern United States. So we don't need to do it. It's just a lot of work. So it takes a lot of people, a lot of calories. But what is uh, what is different between there and here is that that like cultural change over time that happened in Europe was essentially the same kinds of people. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts, Hardcore History, always discusses this, where you can't like compare different armies of different times because the technology is completely different. Of course, yeah. These people and their technologies, whether they were Romans or Celts or anyone, their technologies were essentially the same. Sure. Everyone had a sword. Everyone had a spear, an arrow, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so when you're, when you're doing these big transformations, maybe one speaks different language they have a different you know cultural traditions and things like that but for all intents and purposes they were living the same kind of agrarian lives whereas we come over to the united states right 500 years ago there was a cultural shift that was massive <sighs> like proportionally speaking like it was it was it was just completely different it was full stop full start two different things yes so that when those people, the initial colonists, were coming over here, they came here for certain like ideological reasons, but it was also free resources. Mm-hmm. I have now land that I can grow my crops on, but in order to do that, I have to cut down these trees. But great, I have all these gigantic trees to cut down, and I can ship them across. So you had the United States was essentially the same as the moon or an asteroid, where it's like, no, 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 those are resources we are trying to get. Right. There's no cultural significance to these resources to us to us as we come over and take all these trees down now the people that were here before they were just the same as those other base cultures where they were living agrarian you know lifestyles with the land and them they were one unit yeah so as soon as we came over and started uh, destroying all these things you get this shift where now instead of having these ancient trees that you revered because they were important to you for whatever reason, now you have this thing where it's like, great, there's a big gigantic tree. This saw and these axes are going to take that down and I'm going to have a huge mass for my ship. I'm going to have wood to burn this thing. And we just treated them as a resource yeah. specifically. Culturally, we had almost no connection to them until things started happening in our culture that made them important. So a uh, the charter oak, uh, which is the oak that's on the quarter for Connecticut, I think. Interesting. That is where like the charter of the United States oh. or something was like hidden in a hole in the oak tree when the British were coming. You know, all of a sudden that oak tree had a big importance to us, mm. and other bits and trees like there's some there's some old trees planted by you know this tree was planted by this person here, and it's like a really important tree. Yeah, and they were like, okay, we got to take care of that tree. We don't want that tree to die. So it's it's a really curious kind of like like cultural shift, not to mention the United States, as I said before, everything has in a modern day been shifted over to let's min- minimize our liability. And instead of just saying, hey, there's this old tree, it might fall apart at any time. Everyone loves this tree, though, because it's an important tree period, in and of itself. It's intrinsically important. Usually that's not the case. Usually it's important because of you right. know, this other thing that's related to us. So you end up finding this like this this very subtle cultural difference. I mean, well, it's not very subtle. Honestly. I don't think it's subtle at all. Yeah, it's it's subtle if you look at it from the top down. But if you look at it from the side and you see where it came from, you see the bases of it. Yeah. It's like, oh, geez, yeah, that's those are two different things. Yeah. And so when you are 
looking at how we're going to retain these old trees. And this goes back to the peduncula oak because this is the like quintessential old tree in Europe mm. that they're doing this for. It, you know, there's lime trees. There's maybe a London plain out there. There's yews, certainly used. I think I found a list of like the seven biggest trees in or oldest trees in Britain. Like two were oaks and three were yews. Wow. That kind of thing. So it's it's a situation, and in that book, in Remarkable Trees of the World, the same same thing. You're mm-hmm. finding this all the time. Um, but this tree specifically, it decays in the middle. As trees grow, they're always going to be putting themselves, uh, growing and in responding to different things. This tree, for whatever reason, can almost completely fall apart, but stay alive. So if we can just like keep it from falling apart and like not let it completely crash to the ground. It stays alive, and so you end up getting these big, old, iconic trees that happen to already live forever, but also take these things really well. We're like, oh, well, let's just cable it. It's got solid wood. We can do that, and if the wood starts to decay, it's still strong enough to where it can decay quite a bit before it physically rips itself off. Yeah. So, as the tree and the people like grew up together, like one of those, the major oak, I think they, it was... There's another one that I found too, but the major oak, like 1,200 years uh, or t- year 1,200, is when it like started to plant or grow. So it's one of those it's one of those things where they just wow. they see it differently and they've been experienced with it so much was like that tree means something. So in terms of how the tree works, there's another there's another like little bit to add on to it. We talked about that band around the tree, or like geriatrically holding a tree up, and. In modern arboriculture, people would say, don't, you have to let the tree hold itself up. So prune it and do things to it so that the tree is strong enough to do its own thing. Whereas if you put one of those braces like we've seen on a bunch of these branches, that tree is now no longer holding up that branch from its connection point to the tree trunk. It is holding itself up from wherever that brace is, and the strain that's initially on the connection to the tree trunk is now reduced to the point where it almost doesn't exist. Then, where let's say uh, if if you're if uh, we'll use what I'm doing right now as an example. Yeah, Casey's extending his arm. Yeah. in sort of a, a last poor Yorick. Yeah, yeah. So my arm is a branch. My torso is the trunk. Uh, my elbow or my shoulder is where this branch, my arm, connects to the trunk. So if I am trying to hold something up, like just put a big bowling ball in my hand, uh-huh. all the strain for how I'm lifting that goes back to my elbow. Or I'm sorry, uh, my your shoulder, shoulder. Yes. So if I then put a uh, put a, a brace underneath my elbow, mm-hmm. then my shoulder is now no longer holding that burden up. But, now it's my elbow. Yes. So I'm still doing that, which is great because now it's like a little bit shorter of a lever arm. I'm a little bit stronger there because I'm not trying to hold up my entire arm. So you get these advantages, but if I am, if you let me hold that for the next, you know, several weeks and days and months and years. Eventually you'll need another one, another brace under your hand. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. But also I, I'm not going to develop any muscles in my, oh. in my upper arm because it's not doing almost any of the work it's doing a little bit of work so it's going to get a little bit stronger so we've talked about we've talked about trees growing wood in certain places to yeah. create leverage and uh-huh. strength mm-hmm. so when we're propping up a tree's limb uh a branch like yeah. that does it does it like you know physiologically go oh i don't need to worry about uh what is that called um uh grow you know like growing wood yeah in that it area. doesn't have to reinforce right reinforce yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
That's wow. Ex- that's so exactly it gets, right. It gets weak. It gets it. It doesn't lose any of its strength, but it doesn't continue to build strength okay. that it would need if that brace was say removed. Wow. So what you end up getting is the tree's physiological response. It would put on a whole bunch of wood from the elbow out because it's mm. still that is still dealing with strain and stimulus and things like that. Right. But it would put on way less wood on the upper arm because it's like, wow, this I'm, I'm, there's no strain there, so it must be doing just fine. So you end up getting these trees that have these really uh, – that you essentially, as soon as you augment a tree's support system, whether it's by cable or bracing, whether it's by putting a brace underneath the arms yeah. or the, the, uh, the limbs, then you're changing how that tree functions in a, a, as a whole unit. So as soon as you change how that tree is functioning as, as a whole unit, then now if you take away those things, those man-made objects, the tree is unable to hold itself up. That's very interesting. I mean, yeah. it, you know, that there's a lot of questions you have to ask yourself as like, I guess like as a human in this relationship between human and tree. Yeah. Like how much help, you know, the more help you give the tree, the more help it needs. Yes. Yeah. Um, so exactly like, at it. what point do you look at a tree and say, oh, it's mostly metal at this point. <laughs> yeah. And two by fours. <laughs> it's the Darth Vader of trees. Now we're really crossing worlds here. Yes. It's a, it, that is the, that's the big, the, like the, the last philosophical question that you get from like hardcore arborists. They would be like, no, 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 that tree has to do almost everything itself. Yeah. But it's like, well, if we just do this one thing, it can, it, it reduces the likelihood that's going to rip itself apart. And then, but you just kind of keep going and keep going until uh-huh. it's like, yeah, we take care of this tree because we, we have to. If we don't, it will literally rip itself apart anytime. Which is fine. I, I have yeah. no problem with that. I just, and I, I'm not, I'm not. I'm certainly not saying, well, where do you draw the line? You know, but it is something to think about. It's it's an interesting thing to think about. Like it is, yeah. the resources you're putting into this tree. Precisely. And, and then the more resources you put into the tree, the more it needs. And so you have to put more resources into it. And yeah. it's they're not my resources, so I don't care. But uh it that that's yeah, that's that's kind of a fascinating like uh you know, uh, how many tire, how many babies fit in a tire kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I have no idea what that's referencing <laughs> to. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, somebody will get that yeah. and, and we'll love it. Okay. Well, Alex, that, that is the big question. And I think for my part, where I stand on it is we don't necessarily need to keep every single tree that is old and big for, in, for its intrinsic value. I think sure. we can also let some of them just, you know, turn to dust as, as time happens because that's what everything does. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But... I do think that the the route the United States has taken, and more more specifically, kind of North America above Mexico, because it's kind of a very another very strict kind of cultural unity there. Like Canada and the United States, we have our differences, but for all intents and purposes, sure. we're the same kind of place. Yes, Mexico has way different interactions with its people and its trees. It's a completely different kind of situation. Yeah, um, but as it happens, I think that. The the way that we manage our trees, we should be more inclined to not take the hardcore arborist stance and say, yes, I want this tree to survive and I don't want this gigantic branch to rip off because this tree is important. And arboretum is a great example. We want those trees to be there See, for as yes, long as possible. That, I'm on board with that for yeah. sure. Yeah. So it's like, let's keep this around. Like, is it a street tree that is, you know... If it does fall, it could very likely hit a person who's walking or driving or something. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, that that risk threshold is a little bit higher. But also, if it's in a park, could we not just say, hey, we're going to put a little fence around this tree? Yeah. So if something does happen, we put a fence and said, hey, just so you know, 
This is, and I mean like a, a fence that's like a foot and a, two feet tall. Like sure. something you could easily walk under and go like touch the trees. Like we don't care if you do that. But if we put something around it that just says, hey, we are acknowledging this tree is old and geriatric. It might fall apart at any point. Right. It hasn't yet. It looks really good. It's a historic tree because it was planted by whatever. That I think is a perfectly reasonable way to do it or keep it from falling apart. Put a little thing in there. If someone fucks around with it, we can just like, oh, okay, okay, someone fucked around with it. Now we have to remove the tree. Everyone's going to be upset because that tree was important. And if they don't do it, if it, and it does hurt someone, we can say, well, we, we put stuff on there. There was a sign, like there's a fence, like you put yourself in danger for this. We're sorry. It was an awful thing that happened. Or it's like, yeah, hey, we're sorry that your, you know, your fence got crushed, but it's a fence. Who cares? We can rebuild another fence. Like this tree is massively old and mm-hmm. really interesting and really cool in and of itself. So I think that there's a there's a good middle ground where I I think if it's take the tree down or cut it to pieces so that it doesn't fall over, hey, why don't we take the third option of like basically constructing its uh its crutch system and letting it live for another forty years? Man, there's something really, and I'm not I'm not. Uh an anthropologist. I don't know if you know this about me. I'm not an Alex, anthropologist. That's the only reason I asked you to be a part of this. <laughs> you brought that to the table. Although I am, I am, I am just endlessly fascinated by like cultures and how people, how humans in different places interact with different things. Yeah. Um, there is something quite profound about, uh, I guess like Ameri- like American tree culture, like old tree culture. Yeah. And how that reflects like the origins of the company of the company, of well, the, of uh, the country. Not not a bad way to describe it. Slip, <laughs> um, of the country, yeah. uh, and how ha- and how this whole thing started. Yeah, that's um, a, it's very curious. Yeah, uh, it was it was uh, it was genocidal and uh, involved a lot of slavery and uh, crimes against humanity. Yeah, against the people who did venerate these trees. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us now to say, you know. Uh, oh, it's a little decaying. Let's let's cut it down and plant a new one that might yeah. that we, we might be able to sell or something. Uh, it's kind of it's it's kind of sickening and heartbreaking. Um, yeah. like many things in America, right? There's uh, there's yeah. an interesting uh, a topic um, in was it religion and ecology? I think I talked about this on the book of Casey, and we've talked about it here oh, and there. Yeah. On uh, on this. Oh, but by, by the way, that's on the Patreon. If you guys are interested in my origin story, Alex's is coming up next. Patreon.com slash arbitrary pod. They, the, the idea of, um, it is ecofeminism and it's basically the study or kind of looking into the, 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 the connections between things that are a little bit uncanny. Like, um, we call mother earth, mother earth. Oh, it's sure. Feminine. Uh, there's the sort of fertility goddess kind of thing is related to plants and fertility and femininity and women, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yet then at the same time, we take and the term literally rape the earth like that is used explicitly and it's like well why are we using these terms in these specific ways like the only country in the world that calls itself uh, masculine is germany that's the fatherland everything else is the motherland or the she is the the ship the country the everything yes i was gonna say ships are yeah. ships we name after uh, women exactly and so oh. it's it's a really curious kind of dynamic where it's similar to this where it's like oh maybe there's a, a connection with how we treat 
a bunch of uh, like all these other cultural things that we do, negative and positive, mm-hmm. that we also apply it and apply the same kind of unconscious logic to other things. Just like what you're saying, like yeah. the start of the country was based on all these horrible atrocities to actual people. And then we also do those same horrible atrocities to nature with the same ideas like, well, it's good for us. It's good for me. Yeah. And it's like, huh, it's a, it's a very curious, like, uh, philosophical and, like, kind of cultural rabbit hole you could just, like, find yourself sliding down into and being like, wow, this is a dark place. It's very interesting. Before we slide into that rabbit hole, Casey, let's slide into our review of the pedunculate oak. Yes, yes, indeed. We should remind ourselves we're talking about a pedunculate oak <laughs> and how in Europe they take the they take that that uh, the far the far one side of the spectrum to say we're going to keep these oak trees as long as possible. And I should draw one more connection. Alex. Yes, in our Fellowship of the Ring, the English countryside, mm-hmm. these trees, many of them have been removed in order to do uh, crops. You know, this is. You know, way going back into history all over the place. Um, so a lot of these trees are like the only ones left. And so a lot of people like the Woodland Trust is like, we got to protect these trees because they're ancient and they're, there's none like it anymore. All the rest are like brand new. They're just now sprouting up. Right. So that's the the reason that we wanted to pull it into this is because in the show, there's, uh, there's all these, or in the movie, I should say. <laughs> There's a lot of these oak trees like popped in through these areas. There's like these ancient trees along the countryside. That's right. So, anyway, those are the connections we made. If you didn't make those, uh, sorry. <laughs> you know what? Make your own connections. We yeah, don't care. Yeah, that's right. Uh, here's how our review works. We're going to give some final thoughts on this tree and then give it a rating of 0 to 10. Hey, should we do something fun for the for the cone rating? Yeah, rings of honor. Rings. Of, how about... Uh, how about oh how about this casey ah. I don't, i'm just, this is a yes and i'm not shooting down your idea <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh golden cones of power oh yes i agree golden okay. cones of power zero to ten golden cones of power <laughs> casey yeah we're, we're deciding how many we're giving to this to this genus of tree like the you know Nine to the men and three to the elves or Casey is our resident expert. We'll begin with you. Okay. So, Quercus Rober, it's one of the very first trees that I learned. Like, there's a little cadre of them. It's in one of those top trees uh, in terms of how I learned about trees. Um, I think this tree is beautiful. I think it's it's a lovely big oak tree. I want to interact with it over in Europe because I think it would give me a whole different perspective. Sure. But here in the United States, we plant almost exclusively the festigit variety, the wow. cultivar of this. I don't know why. I cannot figure out why we decided that this is the right one. But it is the same tree, but it grows up and it just has branches that go very very upright Mm. we have another i think there's one that i think maybe is called skyrocket and it's almost like every branch and every everything is like trying to go as far directly north or straight up as it possibly can interesting and it's fine they don't really fall apart because again they're really strong trees they're decay resistant but god i hate those trees yeah you know where we mostly like to plant them they sound ugly where yeah Underneath power lines. Oh, good. Yeah, go to Selwood, and you'll see a bunch planted underneath power lines. And you, and you see just like a big U-shape cut yeah. out of the crown. It's so awful. Yeah, but that's, those are so ugly. Yeah, it's like planting. It's like, it's, it's like I, I, it's just, it makes no sense to me. And whenever it happens, you're just so frustrating because you're like, 
who dropped the ball on this? Yeah, it's very clearly a bad idea. It's very clearly a bad idea. So whatever, they've done it, it's happened, they exist. Um, But it just looks so awful. And when they're planted like that, they're very scraggly looking trees. They don't carry for me the same poise mm. as certain oaks that I could name that I have named before. Sure. I I think it's fine. I think it's middle of the line oak tree in the United States and blend here. Uh over in Europe though, there's like I think there's one planet Earth where they show uh fall. What I think it's hmm I can't remember what it is, but there's one of those shows Planet Earth where they show this uh specific um English countryside oak tree and they kind of like circle it in the way they do mm. and then show the changing of the seasons. Wow. And that is spectacular. And I'm Man. like now that is an oak tree that I can get on board with. Otherwise, honestly, it's going to be like a like a 7.0. Okay. So it's a medium okay tree. I don't remember what we did on the solstice, <laughs> right. but it's for a different reason, so this is coming from a different place. <laughs> yeah, it's a different context. Yeah, I give I give the the English oak, Quercus rober or the uh, pedunculate oak a a 7.0 because it's it's okay, it's fine. I think once uh once they invite me over to hang out with them, then it's probably going to raise the bar. Oh, sure. Yeah. We'll get there. Thought. We'll get there, case. We'll get there. Uh we're announcing our UK tour. 2023 hello oh man i would love to go to to england hey as soon as someone invites me to cuba botanical gardens i cannot buy a a plane ticket fast enough oh right on ideally well ideally i'll get there even if they don't invite me but you know what We'll invite ourselves. Casey at arbitrarypod.com. <laughs> wow. It's the first time you've ever given out your personal uh, arbitrary email. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, not that it's that hard yeah. to, to guess what it would be. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, 7.0, <laughs> golden cones of power That's for right. the pedunculate. They only get seven. So they have to choose their most regal seven oaks mm. to get those cones of power. Although, you know, the most powerful are the most corrupted by the cones oh. power. So there's something to consider. That's something to consider. Okay. Give it to a young hobbit. Yeah. Um, Casey, I I like the pedunculate oak all right. Actually, when you said 7.0, I knew that I was right there with you. 7.0, golden cones of power. You're kidding me. Yeah, 100%. It's it's a nice round, strong Mm -hmm. seven. It really is. It's right in the middle of the top half of the curve. Um, and they're lovely trees. Yeah, I have nothing. I have no. I have no qualms with this tree. Mm-hmm. I think. I think this this topic of like uh, how how different places treat trees uh, is 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 really fascinating. I loved that conversation. Um, but the pedunculate oak, I I'll, I'll say some of those seven cones of power go to the fact that it is a uh, a uh, evergreen oak. It is not. It's a deciduous oak. Oh, I thought you said it was evergreen. Did I? I didn't mean to. Maybe I heard evergreen. Oh, I did say there are evergreens and there are this, but this is a deciduous oak Well, species. never mind. Okay, it goes fact, to some yeah. other thing. It goes to... <laughs> um, oh, God. I'm sorry, Alex. <laughs> no, I, I don't think you ever said it was evergreen. Yes. For some reason, I got it in my head that it was. Damn, I must have... I think I was just in, in uh, inappropriately talking about too many things at once. Potentially, Casey, yeah. as is your want. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> and it is my want to uh, be very single-minded and <laughs> listen to one thing at a time. Uh, how do we do this? Uh, it's a miracle every week, my man. <laughs> um, yeah, 7.0. 7.0. I, well I, and I, 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 just hand, I just unceremoniously hand them to this tree. I, I, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's like everyone's already left to look at some other tree and you just pin the, pin the, the little, you know crown on it yeah yeah there you go you give a little pat on the pat on the bark and you walk away yeah. without saying anything 
Casey, it's time for a game. All right. Here we go. One especially for this this book one of our Lord of the Tree Rings month. I've got a series of riddles, and it's up to you to tell me which genus of tree I'm talking about. This is Riddles in the Park. I'm, I'm, I got goosebumps, Alex. I'm so excited. You, uh, you spent a long time getting these ready. So I wrote these riddles with good friend of the pod and good friend of my life, Kyle Glenn. Hi, Kyle. So, Casey, I'm going to read these, and then you have however much time you need or want. Okay. And I'll repeat lines, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll, try to, we'll try to guess which, again, genus okay. I'm talking about. Genus of tree. All yes. Right. I'm ready. I'm Are so you- ready. Are you ready for your... We should turn off the lights. Yeah, we should. We should be in a dark cave for yeah, this. We really should. Hold on. Let's just let's take a second. Go to the dark caves. All right. Kyle, Kyle did mention, uh, are people going to give you flack because Riddles in the Dark is from The Hobbit, not The Lord of the Rings? Oh, yeah. And, and they surely will. So, shoo, 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 shoo. All right. Are you ready for your first riddle, Miss Mr. Casey? I'm ready. In younger days, I lost my hat. When lovers' whispers reached my ears, old and caned, I take a nap and dream of bourbon, wine, and beer. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, my God. Okay, you're dreaming of bourbon, wine, and beer. You lost your cap when you were young. Mm-hmm. Hmm. When lovers' whispers reached my ears, old and caned, I take a nap. Old and caned, you take a nap. So the tree's dying, the tree's going to sleep, the tree's getting killed when it's old, when it's large, and it is all about uh, the beard and it has a cap. <gasps> Quercus. That is correct. Yes! Okay, all right. This is, okay, so I, there's, there's a lot going on there. I had, yeah. to, I had to listen to a lot of things like, is this important? Is this a red herring? What is this? These are dense riddles. These are good. You guys killed it. Uh, you, you, you maybe missed, or maybe not missed, but one, one clue yeah. was that when lovers' whispers reached my ears, these leaves are lobed. Oh. Like ears. <laughs> That's so good. I did it. That that was even that was even a step too deep. I couldn't get it. Oh fine, fine guessing, Casey. Holy! I mean, shit. my precious. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Alex. I was very upset. <laughs> Are you ready for your okay. second riddle? All right, I am ready. Fertile maidens standing proud slough their seasonal woody gowns, stitching wind without reprieve, and rise above most other trees. Whoa. One one more time. That's stunning. Fertile maidens standing proud slough their seasonal woody gowns, stitching wind without reprieve and rise above most other trees. I this is this, <laughs> Oh man. This is so good. Okay, Alex, here's here's something. So so it sounds like it's a deciduous tree. Because it loses its its a uh, its uh, woody gown. Okay. I don't know if this is. I'm not, I'm not sure. Am I interpreting that correctly? Uh, but the no the, hints will you get from me, Mister Casey. All right, all right. Why don't you stay over on your side of the cave? Excuse me, I got a cough. It's, it smells so bad in here. 
Okay. <clears throat> Excuse so, me. So, yeah, you okay over got there? Some, you, yeah. Got some fish guts stuck yeah, in my throat. Phlegm, if you <clears> throat> uh, The other thing, uh, maidens, uh, that, that tells me that young maidens are, are probably maybe having a tryst underneath this tree. Hmm. Which uh, lends me towards something a little more uh, spring and uh, sexual. Okay. However, standing taller than most trees leads me to think it's a gigantic tree. Hmm. I don't know if that's the case. That's a that's a good interpretation of that hint. Yeah. Hmm. So hmm. honestly, my very first thing I want to say: Crataegus, the Hawthorns. Incorrect, my precious. Uh, okay, okay. So I'm I glad. turned into Yoda for a second. <laughs> I forgot did. how Gollum talks. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? They're actually the same character. Uh, I oh, can't do a Gollum impression, okay. I don't think. All right. All right. So it goes, goes up. It's a big, tall tree. Sheds its things. The Don Redwood. Incorrect. Sorry. Metasequoia, good Mr. Uh That is not a genus of tree. Yeah, it is. Metasequoia. Incorrect. Damn it. Would okay. you like to hear the whole thing again? Yes, I would, please. Fertile maidens standing proud slough their seasonal woody gowns, mm. stitching wind without reprieve and rise above most other trees. Hmm. All right, here's what I'm going to say. Okay. I'm going to say Cedrus. Incorrect. You're kidding me, because it drops its uh its cones. Its cones split apart. Mm. Are there any other genus gene genre that that, <laughs> that do their cones that? fall apart? I believe the Abies does that. Casey, you're correct. Wow. Oh my gosh. Do you want to uh, go over it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Fertile maidens okay. are the cones. Yes. Because they're fertile, they have seeds in them. And they are the yeah, then they're also the, they have yeah, yeah. They're yeah. standing proud because they grow upright. They grow upright, yeah. So I, t- I got that. Good clue. Okay. I very mean good, good job. Very very good clue, Alex. <laughs> Slough their seasonal woody gowns, you got that. <laughs> that they, was in case that was a good clue, okay. That was, I don't care who you are, that was a good clue. <laughs> their cones fall apart piece by piece. Yeah. Stitching wind without reprieve. Stitching is an allu- uh, and a, a reference to needles. Ah, Needles, you use needles to stitch, and without mm-hmm. reprieve, they are evergreen. They stay there all the time. Yes, in the wind, and they rise above most other, most other trees. They're extremely tall trees. Yeah. Wow, well done. That, well done to you. I, yeah, but I clearly got it wrong. I like latched onto maidens, and I was like, "Oh, this must be the tree that everyone has sex under." Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that shows us. That tells us something about you, Casey. I, wow, because I just really like. Move on. Let's move on. <laughs> we have one more, Casey. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm going to uh, get this one right. I want to say that I'm going to read this one once. Ooh. Because it's a little longer, so it has four stanzas, so you got to let, okay. f- let me go through all of them. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to read it once, and you have one opportunity to guess. Oh, geez. And after that, you kill me and take the ring. Yes. Take the, the cone of power. Correct. Okay, God. I strangle you in a riverbed. <laughs> okay. I'm forbidden, Rose's daughter. I am cleaner than the water. I am golden, flavored smoke, festive harvest of the folk. I am sweet. I am sour. Autumn-bearing, vernal flowers. Thousand faces, none the same. Tell me, dost thou know my name? (laughs) Oh, Alex. Is this... Malice. It is malice. Well done, Casey. The apple. You ended on the apple. The sweet, savory, sexy apple. Yeah. 
That one was good. That was Thanks. beautifully written. Like that one. Say that. Can you give us give it one more time? Sure. I'm forbidden. Rose's daughter. Mm-hmm. Rose family. Yep. Yep. Forbidden for uh, allegedly forbidden uh, fruit. Uh-huh. That's okay. Yep. I am cleaner than the water. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how people used to drink cider above water because it was exactly right disinfected. I am golden. Plenty of golden apple uh, mythologies. Golden delicious. Yeah. Right. F- flavored smoke. Applewood. Yep. Festive harvest of the folk. Harvest things. Yeah. I am sweet. I am sour. <sighs> Whatever. Autumn bearing vernal flowers. So good. That's so beautiful. Thousand faces. There are, there are many, many varieties of them, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. none the same. Tell me, dost thou know my name? Tell me, dost thou know my name? Would Alex. thou love to live deliciously? <laughs> you you got to do this professionally. Like, how can we make this a... How can we make this a professional thing that you do? Kyle and I, Casey, thanks for that setup. Kyle and I have a brand new business. <laughs> it's called Riddle to You. No, no, Riddle Me Bat. Riddle Me Bat? Riddle yeah. Me Bit? Riddle Me, I thought it was Riddle Me Bat. It's something like that. Anyway, it was really good. We're going to sell riddles. You, you, you tell us what you want us to write a riddle about. We'll sell it to you for five bucks. Yeah. Then you got a new riddle, fresh made. Plus Brilliant. a service charge. Yeah, of course. And that's going to be $12. Duh. Thanks for letting me do that, Casey. This has been Riddles in the Park. Casey, it's time for a completely arbitrary Q&A. Oh, man. Our transitions are on point. (laughs) This week's question is from Jared Belton. Jared writes, I encountered something fairly strange. A friend sent me this video, and I've never seen anything like it, but thought you were the best people to ask. Huge fan of the pod. Keep doing what you're doing. Love you guys. Many thanks. Thank you, Jared. Back at you, Jared. Casey, have you watched this video? I have watched this video. Uh, please describe it for the people. So this video is uh, one of our dear listeners who has taken a uh, or has a video, and it's someone walking up with their phone or their video camera and showing what's going on on these trees and there's a there's a few examples they obviously zoom in on one and it is a a tree that literally looks like a portion of the stem has just in slow motion exploded out like yeah like an actual not explosion but like you know you get a big infectious thing and it then it's like bleh. That's kind of what it looks like to me. Totally, it is. It is broken pustule like. Yes, I would also. I would also say it looks like a cannonball came through the other side. Yeah, right. And like this is the exit wound. Yeah, but there's no entry wound. No, there's no entry wound, and it's like black. Yeah, yeah. Like the wood inside the wound is like black. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. What's what is terrifying? That is what I believe. Having literally not looked at it more than this video, Uh um, that to me appears to be what's called a canker. Wow. And a canker is a, a fungal infection on a tree. Okay. And it grows. Um, usually it creates a literal canker, like a small little bit of necrosis, dead wood, and it kills just a small section where, you know, fungus, they grow outwards from a central, you know, wherever the pore lands, they just grow outwards in every direction. So mm-hmm. they create very circular things. Yeah. Whereas a bacterial infection is very much more of a blob where it doesn't grow perfectly outwards in, okay. a, in a circle. So. That one, you can see there's a nice little circle there, like a thing. What we could do is we call those in the biz bullseye cankers. Bullseye canker. That's right. And the reason they call that is that each year you have day one, year one. 
you get this little uh, this little canker. There it is. It starts. You're like, oh, cool. There's a canker. The tree says, whoa, I'm being attacked. There's a canker. And it compartmentalizes around that canker. So it basically puts a big wall of protection for the rest of the tree around it. Okay. Sometimes, if it's a certain kind of canker, that does it. And it's good. It's a year infection. Then the, the plant or the uh, the fungus goes off to the next thing to infect the next thing. Yeah. Doesn't it like, doesn't it like create like a... An, an, uh like a barrier of dead cells around the canker so it can't pass that. Yeah, essentially it's kind of like um they 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 don't create it's not necessarily the cells are dead. They just make like this wall of cells that has all these different chemicals in it that create this wall. Okay. So in doing that, I think it ends up killing certain uh of those cells, but then on the inside it just leaves those cells to die essentially. So the fungus then takes over those cells and then now you have this little dead necrotic spot, necrotic spot. Mm. So yeah, it's exactly right. So that that wall then, if it works, contains the fungus and it can't get anywhere else because now it's basically used up everything that it wanted. But every now and then, the next or the fungus will go and break through that wall and then it will infect another ring of new growth the next year afterwards. Casey, this reminds me of a story. Ooh, what is the story? The people of Rohan ah. were being invaded by the orcs of Mordor. I remember this. And they traveled to the other side of this sort of uh, meadowy pasture landscape mm-hmm. to a place called Helm's Deep. Yes. And there they had their last stand. Yep. And uh, at, at a certain point in this battle, mm-hmm. there is a hole blown, a hole blown open, blown open in the wall. Oh my God. God. By a by like a uh, an Olympic torch carrying uh dino, <laughs> uh kamikaze orc. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he's an Urukai. Yeah, aren't they all? Uh sorry. <clears throat> Go ahead. <laughs> Alex, perfect. And Man. the orcs flood through. I was gonna say, what happens next? We're all we're we're hanging on every every word. The orcs flood through. We'll talk more about that next week. Oh, Casey. Anyway. It's exactly what it is. That's it. So the orcs are the disease. Of course. And then you have the... uh, did you just spit? <laughs> yeah, I spit on the ground for the yeah, orcs. Good, good, good. Um, so yeah, that's that's exactly it. So every year that happens as the tree gets bigger, two things happen. One, now you have dead wood, so the tree has to then grow outwards to try to, uh, it puts on new wood, but then it compartmentalizes and tries to cover up over the new wood, or the, I'm sorry, the, the new wound with new wood. Got it. So there's also dead bark where the dead bark on that area, that's uh, the bark is on the outside, mm-hmm. just underneath that cambium is where they had infection was. So that section of dead bark basically just stops growing. It starts to become kind of crusty and it'll break apart from the other bark. So then you have this place where you have two ends of bark, one on the right side, one on the left side, one on the top, one on the bottom, or you know, in this big circle as you see in this video. Then as the tree is growing out, that fungus or that canker will then grow out every single year with it and kind of get bigger and bigger and bigger Mm. the tree's getting bigger and bigger bigger then all of a sudden you have the this effect where the bark that is still attached to the very outside from the very get-go yeah it kind of looks like it starts to get peeled back yeah because the 
uh, the growth of the tree underneath is slowly pushing it out, but the fungus is also growing out, so it looks like it explodes outwards. Yeah. Because it's basically, the tree tries to put callus tissue around the edge, then that edge gets expanded a little bit, then it has to put callus tissue on that edge, and then it's expanded a little bit. So it's like trying to contain it every single year as the tree gets bigger, and so the wound gets bigger, and the tree gets bigger, so you get this effect where it kind of looks like it explodes it's like a flayed kind yeah. of shape. That's exactly right. All right. So that is, uh, like I said, I don't know the species of tree. I don't know anything ab- about what cankers are out there, so I can't tell you any more than this. But it is, I think, what did they say? It was an ash, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, yeah. So it's probably a... Um, Actually, I don't even know what kind of species it is, but either way, there are certainly cankers that get on trees and do this all the time, and it's a very common pathogen on trees. So that's what I think that is, is a, the species of pathogen, not sure. The species of tree, not sure, but it's a broad spectrum, kind of like some pathogens do this to some trees, and you can see it's just like, you know, a, a conch coming out of a tree. You know that it's a basidiomycete fungus attacking a tree, and this is the fruiting body. Well, of course you know that. It's obvious, Alex. Jeez. Uh, Jared, thank you so much for your question if you have a question about trees for casey or a question about any of my interests for me (laughs) email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com that's a-r-b-o-r-t-r-a-r-y pod join us on instagram at arbitrarypod or support this podcast patreon.com slash arbitrarypod get two bonus episodes a month in the arboretum or join the cone of the month club for cone stickers and info cards every month in your mail and if you've got a couple minutes, be a part of our big campaign push for rate, ratings and reviews of this <laughs> podcast on your platform of choice. It really helps us out. Casey Clapp. Alex Croson. We have, uh, what? Boromir has just been slain. Yep. Boromir's fallen, which is, you know what? I, I've heard a lot of people. Some people are like, you know what? Good. He was uh, he was on his way out anyway. He was he was going to do some bad things. Oh, I don't know about that. Other people have said, well, honestly, he's he's just he's just the leader of another great house somewhere down the line. So mm. reincarnation's real. There, yeah, sure. Why not? Anyway, probably especially in Middle Earth. It's yeah, prevalent. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the the uh, Mary and Pippin have just been kidnapped by the orcs. They did. Frodo, Sam, making their way across the river. Hmm. Um. That's you and me in a boat. Yeah. So we are currently in a boat crossing the river. Exactly. And we're going to be cold tonight. On the other side of that river, lunch. Yeah. We'll be right back to recording, but we'll <laughs> see you next week. For the second installment. That's right. The Lord of the Tree Rings. Yes, the two, uh, I don't know. Trees. Trees. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> bye, Alex. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye. Uh, Bye-bye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 